by Matt Umbro in a recent Marketing Land article that caught my eye, and one that we will give our perspective on during today's podcast. I'm Sarah, Account Manager at 21 Handshake, and welcome to Episode 14 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast, where we talk about all things related to digital marketing. Joining me today are... Ashley, a project manager at 21 Handshake. And my name is Alex. I'm in charge of visual content. All right. Thanks, guys. So let's dive in. Ashley, episode five a while back, we had a great discussion on whether or not content was still king. We decided it was, if in the right format, at the right time. But we didn't touch on context of your content, though. So, yeah, say that five times fast. Content, context. (laughs) What? (laughs) I didn't mean literally. Uh, What is exactly (laughs) meant by that phrase, content, context? So, I think um, in episode five, we decided that content, for like in terms of social media strategy, is very powerful. Um, It's it's the type of social media content that gets viewed and that gets a lot of traction. Um, what we didn't, I guess, touch on is, is is how to do that successfully. And so when you are creating content for your brand and um, for social media purposes, you want to make sure it has the right context. So um, I guess what we mean by that is making it relatable to your target audience. Um, you are providing some kind of value. So if you were talking about um, maybe like a recent industry article that came out um, or some tips Mm -hmm. and tricks to to better your life in somehow or some way that pertains to your brand and your brand's values. Um, So that's what we mean by giving your content good context. So context essentially is kind of the meaning behind what you're saying. And that can either be like the meaning of where it goes, like context-wise, like where are you putting that content, or perhaps a bit more of an explanation when you're posting that content Mm -hmm. of where, you know, so Mm -hmm. you're just not saying leads went up 30% and everyone's like, whoa, I want my leads to go up 30% by using that method. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need some context behind that. They went up using this method for X industry. Correct. Okay, excellent. Do you think though, okay, so just in our, you know, society today, we'll just, we call it the BuzzFeed headlines, those catchy headlines. Girl ate 10 donuts but lost 10 pounds at the same time. Whoa, miraculous. Do you think that most people look beyond just the snazzy headlines? And I'm guilty of using the snazzy headline too because I know that it gets views. Mm-hmm. Um, but t- is that enough? Like, does it need to be as bite-sized as that? Or are we kind of misleading people? So the truth is a lot of people only read the headlines. It has to be catchy enough to click on. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I guess this is where like fake news came about. People were straying maybe too far away from the context, and then you know there was problems with that. Right. So people are just posting the short clip, and then it's like, yes. oh, that's not really real. But yeah. but how can you do that? We want bite-sized content, mm-hmm. Alex, but we need to provide long-form content. So. <laughs> Where's the intermediate there that will be still appealing? <laughs> right, there's kind of a fine line there, right? Because you want your your headline to be catchy enough to 
to get people to click, obviously, but you don't want it to be so brash and flashy that when oh, the person goes into your article or into your video or whatever, that you don't, you don't mislead them with the content that you kind of make it sound like the headline is talking about. Right, and I think that's just going to get people to bounce away, and exactly. that's why people see high bounce rates. And so yeah. I think that if you're, if you're genuinely trying to build a high-quality okay. audience and people who want to consistently come back to what you're reading, like there's almost a, there's almost a level of trust there in the sense that you want, yeah, you want the clickability, but you also want it to be accurate and truthful to what the content will be inside that you're going to be you know, consuming. Right, right. So bite size with a little bit of extra text, though, so it's not misleading. So you're building yourself up to be mm -hmm. trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And so, at the same time, not get people to bounce away and totally disregard right. your opinion. So there used to be, not used to be, but I guess there's, there was a, uh, a rule of thumb that there was like 500 to 700 words uh, was kind of the amount of time that you had in a blog to try and convey your message. Right. But that 700, 500 to 700 rule has, has kind of some caveats now because you know, maybe, maybe it's a list, maybe it's a, maybe it's a Q and A, maybe it's an infographic. So you can't really like count those words as right. specifically anymore. It's not just like a plain text article usually now. Well, right, and we know Google rumored, I think, that they read those images with text anyways now. Like, they read the text on the images. So, right. Right. count so, it, count it in, count it in, is what we're saying. <laughs> so, um, Medium has actually published an article or, or a study saying that the current sweet spot um, in the way that which they measure, like, the, the, the articles that get the most engagement is actually not by, by words. It is by amount of time. So now you'll see a lot of, on a lot of bigger websites when you scroll, um, there'll either be like a progress bar that shows how far oh, okay. you've come along, or just right at the top of the article it'll say, article time, X minutes. Right. Um, and they say that the sweet spot for a post is seven minutes long. And on average, if you did that in plain text, that's 1,400 to 1,700 words. Okay, wow, which is quite a bit. But I think there are some ways you can make that bite size as well for the person who just wants to read through it fast. You could probably do like subheadings in bold, introducing the paragraph. Yeah, you can have, you know, you can throw some quotes in the middle of the article like that are big right. and bold. Right, exactly. Um, if you want, you can kind of have like your three top bullets of the summary at the top of your right. article, something like that. Um, but why is that happening? Like you mentioned earlier, Google seems to be uh, favoring more the longer form, more quality, I'm kind of saying in quotation marks, more higher quality articles right. versus the really short clickbaity um, things that people don't spend a lot of time on and seem to click out of quickly. Right, and I, I just wonder too, with all the fake news, Ashley, mm -hmm. that you had mentioned too, and people now kind of be more aware of that if that's going to change on social too that we want i mean well, gosh we've already seen it on twitter mm -hmm. they are more than 140 characters now yeah they doubled yeah. it so i mean plenty of room even now on twitter which i would say is the most bite-sized social media platform right. out there expanding their character account gives mm -hmm. you the opportunity to put more context yeah i think just in terms of like trending wise too and we've mentioned this before but um, 
we're kind of progressing away from that really short attention span that people have and kind right. of like and on all platforms um, we're seeing longer um, forms of content um, even on Instagram some of the yeah. um, most successful posts have like paragraphs in their captions now yeah it's I, just I think you see actually a lot of people now on Instagram where every single day every single one of their posts has I mean it takes two to three minutes mm -hmm. to read the whole caption. It's Providing right. context to the photo or what's going on. Right, and exactly. if you're interested so, in that person, if you're mm -hmm. interested in whatever pulled you in to the mm -hmm. beginning of that text, you're probably gonna read it all. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, I think, I guess the point there is that people are valuing context. Oh yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. So the Marketing Land article that I read and we'll be posting in the show notes gave some great um, ways, three specific ways that we can seek more context, not only for ourselves as consumers on a daily basis, because I think that's a two-way street, that as consumers we need to understand the context better and just not think, take things at face value, but then I think it's also the marketer's responsibility too. Um, and I think that's huge as well, because there's probably a lot of people who aren't considering that. It's their responsibility as well to provide that context for consumers. So the first one um, they suggested was to seek more than sound bites. The news is famous for pulling sound bites from interviews or um, whatever, you know, whether it be politics, oh, they'll pull one little bit of to what someone said attention. to catch attention, mm -hmm. or interviewing the lady that um, with the string of robberies in the neighborhood, you know, I mean, what was that lady a few years ago where they just kept playing on repeat her funny, like, <laughs> Quote, you know what I'm talking what about? Like the lady with the house fire. I don't got time for that. Or no, oh, nobody yeah. got time for that. Got time nobody got time for that. I mean, I couldn't tell you what else happened in that story except for <laughs> nobody got time for that. You know, so they're famous at pulling that. But so the first way that I think that we can seek more than a soundbite, and this is just very simple. If you have, if you're doing like a quoted image, you could provide context in the text part of the post, mm -hmm. say on social media, that explains about what that quote is about. Right, or you can do something like use hashtags, you know, if you were speaking at a conference or if it's, you know, right. related to a certain topic, hashtag politics or hashtag, you know, whatever, maybe your more niche hashtags might be, something like that. Exactly. Um, but Agreed. another thing that we've spoken about is how on Facebook, if you're publishing a certain type of, uh, publishing any kind of article, you're, you now have the ability to only have that appear for certain people. So if you have like, a, our example is Michigan Builders. If, you're, if you have an article for them, you can ask Facebook to only show that to a geographic area of Michigan so that it's not accidentally popping up in, the, in an Illinois or, or Indiana Builders page, which they're obviously not going to interact with. Them. Right, something that maybe is not relevant to them at either. So those are a few ways that you can seek more than just a soundbite from both the consumer end and um, the marketer end. Um, Ashley, what was the next point they gave? So they mentioned to determine um, validity and intention of the sources. And I think this goes back to um, our conversation on fake news. This is really an opportunity for a lot of brands to um, establish a trustworthy reputation. Mm -hmm. um, I think now most um, consumers or people online are, are now trained to immediately determine um, how reliable the source is. So 
when you're um, putting out a piece of content, content you want to give the context, including where you found it from, repu uh, the reputable sources, and things like that, and that will really help determine the validity of what you're what you're sharing. I think that's super important, especially just because you can find anything on the internet these days. The first thing that jumps to mind is anything kind of medical related, mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I have this this rash or whatever, and you Google it, and mm -hmm. then suddenly you're like, but I don't, I don't know what to believe. There's like 50 million articles out here on this, and you know, everyone's always like, don't look on the internet, it's gonna mm -hmm. give you the worst case scenario, but that's immediately what we mm -hmm. do. So I think having, um, you know, you look, you find an article, well, you know, at least medical-wise, was there a study about it? Mm -hmm. Who was the study by? Was it, who was, even I go back to something maybe even food related, like, well, if this is an article about pro-dairy, who was the person who put the money behind the article? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, you know, you gotta look at those things as well as provide those right. things. I think as a, as a consumer of content, I think no matter what you read, you pretty much, you have to train yourself to basically take everything with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Right, and a lot of people don't though. A lot of people, totally. point I, blank, oh my gosh, that's the I, truth of it. You I know? have a couple of examples actually. In the most recent presidential elections in 2016, I was talking to somebody who is a very right-wing person um, and they saw, they, they were telling me about an article that they saw that came out a couple of days after the election was over, um, and it was talking about how apparently um, Hillary Clinton had like gone back to her hometown or something and it was like sobbing for days or something like that. I was like, what? Okay, first that story doesn't sound real. And then they said, well, look, oh yeah, yeah, here's the article. And I don't know what the URL was, but it was something absurd. It was like rightwinglonranger.com or something oh, wow. like that. Um, and it was just like, okay, like take a second look at that, think about it. Yeah. There's no way that that is a reputable news source. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of like the National Enquirer of old at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah like, man is half alligator, half man <laughs> found in Mississippi. <laughs> right. And I, I have another example, though. On the flip side, of, or like on the other side of that coin, there are sources that we have come to become very trusting of because they've taken a lot of time to build up trust and do give correct information. The, a really good example I have of that is this guy, um, um, a sports reporter. His name's... Adrian Wojnarowski, I think, but he's like, his Twitter is like at Woj, W-O-J. Okay. And he's got millions of followers, and now, and you know that if he tweets something, that it is 100% true. Like right. about a, 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 a per perspective trade, or a certain team is looking to make some kind of move. You know that if he tweets it, he's got the sources and the reputation that it is 100% happening. Like you can rely on that development happening within the next few days. And I think that kind of leads into the third tip, which is to spot trends and patterns. Mm -hmm. So you talked about this reporter and he had, you know, people know he's relevant, he has a lot of followers, and this is why, because they know that he, um, you know, is providing this information that is true and relevant. And, you know, I like in the article from Marketing Land, they quoted, hey, in an ideal world, we'd have time to research everything, but we don't. So sometimes you have to go from the macro level, and that may be, okay, I know this person's reputable, looking through his stuff, he has a lot of followers, he has some good reviews, all of that leads me to believe that he is a credible source. 
So I think, you know, you also, you know, that's the third tip is if you don't have time to research it yourself, what are, what are the reviews quick say, that type of situation. Exactly. And, you know, you can easily find, you know, reviews about anything these days, um, whether it be their follower account or whether it be um, just Googling their name or their, look at their Facebook page or if you're researching a company, what does LinkedIn say about them? What does Glassdoor say about them? All of those, you know, play, play into that spotting the trends, trends and patterns. So, wow. So anything else about context? I feel like that's kind of a bit of a heavier... Um, thing, but I think it is very relevant for all the stuff that's going on, say, with Facebook and fake news and just the amount of information that is available at our fingertips these days to kind of be aware both on the consumer and the marketer level of what that context is that you're providing. So we would love to know um, if you have any other tips on how you either seek context in your content or provide context. Um, drop us a line on social media at 21 Handshake. And if you loved this episode, we would love it if you took a moment to rate us five stars on iTunes and share it with a friend. Until next time.